I'm fanning. I'm fanning for y'all. Tonight is going to be spicy. Are y'all ready for this spice? It's not old spice, but it's going to be spicy up in here on tonight. I was studying. I was like, oh. And then I was like, ouch. Then I was like, so I hope you guys are ready for part seven of this World Changer series. We're talking about the sex trap. The sex trap. I don't even know why I'm clapping. I'm already clapping and I haven't even gave y'all the words yet. <laughs> what is up, everybody? I hope that you are excited and you are prepared for what God is going to do on tonight. This one right here, tag somebody, tag us, take your screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world. And then also, please um, make sure that after this message is over, I always have a follow-up message right after the sermon to just kind of give us some encouragement. Um, and then also we're launching our small group. So if you would like to be a part of our small groups, there's going to be information on that after the sermon. But I want to get straight to work. I need you to get ready. Uh, one girl last week said, I got my tape for my edges. <laughs> You're going to need some duct tape tonight. It's, it's about to get real, but all for the purpose of us glorifying God and being world changers. So let, let's get to work. Um, Genesis chapter 39, this is um, the life of jo Joseph. It's a particular part in this story, the particular part in Joseph's life that I want to highlight that I believe is going to best serve us for the time that we have together on tonight. It has some length to it. I can't do hopscotch with it. I have to read all of it so that you can get all and every angle of this particular story. Genesis chapter 39. We're going to launch our reading at verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of, e of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in-house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now, Joseph was a well-built and handsome man. The Bible says that this man was well-built and handsome. Most likely, he had an action figure. Like, this isn't somebody's opinion. This is the word of God. This was a well-built and handsome man. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Certain translations say, come have sex with me. But he refused. With me in charge? He told him, my master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? 
and sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, meaning she didn't care about none of that. She didn't care about God. She didn't care about her husband. She didn't care about her position. I tell y'all, females do this too. <laughs> I'm glad the Bible recorded this. Girls do this. Okay, let me get back to the text. Um, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out the house, the ultimate curve. <laughs> when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had ran out of the house, she called her household servant. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. No, you didn't, ma'am. You just mad because he didn't give you none. Why you lying? Okay, <laughs> it's going to be good tonight, y'all. Verse 15, when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Joseph didn't just leave the room. This brother ran out of the house. Our claws of concern and the verses that I believe are going to serve us, the verses that I believe are going to provide some heat, it's going to get spicy, it's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to get awkward and here on tonight is verse 3, first verse, verse 3, when the text says, when the master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success and everything he does. And then verse 7, after a while, his master's wife took notice of him and said, come to bed with me. So on one side of the spectrum, you're favored. You're so favored that your favor has brought you notice and elevation. But then on the other side, due to that favor, it also came with sexual temptation. In one part of this biblical narrative, we see that the Lord has favored you. The other side of this biblical narrative, we see that someone wants to have sex with you. See, you, you have to understand this. You have to understand this. In this day, in the context of this scripture, Potiphar didn't just meet this woman while watching dust storms in the Egyptian sunset. <laughs> a caliber, a man of his caliber, it is accredited in research and theologians that said a man of his caliber most likely had one of the most beautiful women in all the land. So I don't want you to think, oh, Joseph just turned her down because she was probably ratchet. She probably looked suspect, <laughs> cock-eyed or something. She probably looked crazy. No, it is accredited that a man of his caliber most likely had probably one of the most beautiful women in all of the land. And, and verse 12 says, she grabbed. She grabbed Joseph. I'm like, good Lord, she aggressive? She grabbed Joseph and said, come have sex with me. This woman is before her time because she was not afraid to shoot her shot. <laughs> she was on her, I don't see nothing wrong with a little. I mean, she was already there. <laughs> she didn't care what people thought. She didn't care about her husband and them. She didn't care if people heard them, caught them. She didn't care. She wanted this brother so bad that when he ran, certain translations of the scripture says she had the torn piece of garment in her hand. 
That is an aggressive grab for you to grab that this brother has to run and how Egyptians dress, they were kind of half dressed. So he was probably walking in there with his eight pack showing, looking all good. And she's like, listen, come to bed with me. And he ran and she is left with the garment of Joseph's clothes. Here we are once again, seeing in Joseph's life, somebody has taken his clothes. (laughs) This is so good. Listen, few years ago, years prior, Joseph's father made him a coat of many colors because Joseph was his favorite son. And what was this coat? This coat was, this coat was confirmation of favor's participation. And anytime favor shows up, haters start conversations. Did y'all hear what I just said? Favor. This coat was favor's confirmation. It was a, conf- it was a confirmation of favor was participating in his life. And anytime favor shows up, haters start conversations. His brothers already didn't like him, but I just imagine when they saw Joseph wear that coat, then it's when they really couldn't stand him. Because some people already don't like you, but they really can't stand you when they see you walking in your favor. They really can't stand when they see you walking in the favor of your world changer grace. They really didn't like you already, but they can't stand when your podcast is changing the world, when your ministry is changing the world, when your law firm is changing the world, when your entrepreneurial pursuit is changing the world. They really don't like you, (laughs) but then they can't stand you when they see you wearing favor. But the other side of the spectrum, some people, when you're wearing favor, that's when they really want you. So his brothers couldn't stand to see him wearing favor, but Potiphar's wife wanted a piece and a taste of that favor. (laughs) She said, I want to experience some of that Joseph favor for myself. You got my house blessed. You got our field blessed. I want you to bless my body. I want you to bless me too. (laughs) Because Joseph resisted this woman, you got to understand this, look. Joseph's brothers took his coat and got him thrown into a pit. Excuse me. Then, then Potiphar's wife took his coat and then had Joseph thrown into prison. So here's the question that I want you to ask yourself on tonight. For everybody who's watching this message who claims to have standards, are you willing to suffer for them? Because Joseph was in a place where I'm not doing this against God. And I'm willing to suffer because of my conviction. Everybody, under the sign of my voice watching on the night, those who claim to have standards, are you willing to suffer for them? Because it's really not a standard if you're not willing to suffer for it. If you're not willing to suffer for it, it's just a suggestion. It's not a standard. (laughs) Because spiritual decay happens one compromise at a time. And God, we're praying on tonight that you give us the wisdom You give us the discernment to recognize one of the strategies that hell uses on world changers is sex. Give us the strength to resist it and give us the wisdom to have self-mastery. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you put in the room, amen. Amen. Listen, I I I want you to notice the weapon and the trap that the enemy is attempting to use on Joseph, sex. I want you to notice what he was attempting to use on this world changer by the name of Joseph, sex. I want you to notice how he used Delilah on the world changer that goes by the name of Samson. 
Because spiritual decay happens one compromise at a time. I want you to notice what the scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 7 about this particular woman. I'm going to show it to you. I'm giving you Bible already. I want to show this to you. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 16, it says, I have covered my bed with colored linen from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, olives, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. That should have been a red flag right there. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. What trap are we seeing? In motion, it is the trap of sexual sin. For part seven of this World Changer series, I would like to speak around this thought from this subject, the sex trap. Yes, the sex trap. If you are a world changer, it's not the only weapon, but one weapon that the enemy uses on world changers is the sex trap. Can I get everybody to put this in the room? It is confession time. Can I get everybody to put this in the room in all caps? I want you to speak this over yourself so that you could you can actually lay down a deposit for strengthening your spirit. Can I get everybody to put in the room? I must. I must deny my flesh. I will master it. It will not master me. One more time, somebody needs to put like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I must deny my flesh. I will master it. It will not master me. The sex trap. Tonight, my brothers and my sisters, we're going to reveal, we are going to expose some strategies that hell has been using from generation to generation to try to discredit the world changer. Tonight, we're going to expose the sex trap. See, I know you think it's because they're just being flirty and they're just flirting with you. I, I, I know that you think that. I know that you think it's because you fly, and you might be. <laughs> no shade thrown here. You might be fly. You could be fly for the glory of Jesus. If I'm fly, it's only because Jesus is in the cockpit. You could be fly. <laughs> That's cool. You, 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 could be, you could actually be like, you know what? It's just that all these men are thirsty. That's why my DMs look the way they do. That's why before you preach, pastor, call them out. Before you do all that too much, hold on. <laughs> hold on real quick. Um, if breast thighs, and butt pics are your main output. Here we go. I told you it's going to get spicy. If breast, thighs, and butt pics are your main output, can you really act confused 
that you keep on attracting men that only want to input? Oops. Could you really be confused that if you keep posting this on all of your social media outputs, that you keep on attracting men who only want to input? I know that you can slay a dress, but can you slay a demon, though? <laughs> I, I know that you can slay a dress, but can you slay that bad attitude? That's what I want to know. Listen, kingdom women, emphasis on kingdom. Kingdom women are not looking to get rescued by some knight in shining armor. How about let's normalize men who have been rescued by the king of glory. Men who have been rescued by the lion of the tribe of Judah. Men who have been rescued by the king of kings. Men who have been rescued by the alpha and the omega. And now they're wearing the full armor of God. How about let's normalize that. We're not looking to be rescued by a knight in shining armor. Let's normalize men who have been rescued by the king and they're wearing the full armor of God. Let's normalize that. <laughs> I, know, I know you may think that's the reason. I know you may think, bro, it's because you just flexing out here and you got all these ladies on you. But look, I, I need you to understand, you walking around and humping everything, but then want to be treated like a king. Like I stated before, that type of behavior does not summon a crown. It summons a collar. Lord have mercy. <laughs> It doesn't summon a crown. It summons a collar. Real kingdom men are men that know how to master the flesh. Or you could be thinking you're safe with your safe sin of pornography and masturbation and vibrators. We're going all there tonight. We're going all the way here. You might think it's okay and you might be safe, but you don't recognize that it's polluting your mind so that you only see out of sensuality and not spirituality. Did y'all hear me? It may seem as though it is a safe sin, pornography, masturbation, and your vibrator, but it's polluting your mind to see things out of sensuality and not spirituality. And you best believe the enemy will always make sure that there's a time in your life when your weakness meets an opportunity. He is going to make sure that your secret imaginative desires will have an opportunity to become physical realities. Did y'all hear me? He will make sure that there's a time in your life that your secret imaginative desires has an opportunity to become physical realities. You might view it as an addiction, but hell doesn't view it as an addiction. Hell views it as preparation. So good. I'm, I'm letting them think they're get away, getting away with it because it's just preparing them for what I'm going to do to them in about two years. You got to understand the patient. The devil is patient. He'll have something hit your life at 16 and watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it. Now, when you're 25, you're vulnerable, and you're in a pandemic, and you're lonely, that's when I could have the temptation hit them. Because it's not just an addiction. For hell, it's preparation. It, it's the secret body shot that nobody knows about. Secret. It's the secret body shot that nobody knows about that's preparing you for the destructive knockout punch in round 10. In round one, it's a secret body shot that nobody knows about, but it's prepping you for the destructive sexual temptation that's going to hit you in round 10. It's not just an addiction. It's not just an addiction. It is preparation. 
It is preparation. This was going to hit different on tonight, y'all, but I'm just a man who's being obedient. I, I want us to understand that we have to have enough wisdom not to adopt, not to adopt cultural sayings. You don't need to be nobody's ride or die. First off, you need to pray before you're riding. <laughs> but if you're already riding, if stuff don't make sense, ask questions. Don't just ride and die. Ride and ask questions. If you're already riding, ask some questions. And if stuff is not adding up, tell that brother to pull over. Pull up, Next light, pull over. Sir, next light. Pull. And if he doesn't pull over, jump out. I believe it is better to deal with the scratches of a breakup than for you to be miserable with a soul infection. Did y'all hear me on tonight? It is better for you to deal with the scratches and the wounds of a hard breakup than for you to be miserable with a soul infection. We don't adopt that. We're trying to establish and get back in line with the kingdom agenda. The sex trap. It is a trap that the enemy uses on world changes. So we're going to break down some traps. Number one, hell uses the sex trap to discredit ministries. Yeah, we're going all the way there. We're being real on tonight. He uses the sex trap to discredit ministries. There might be somebody watching this message, or you might know somebody who says, I don't do church because there's not enough leadership. There's a lot of leader slip. Did y'all get that? There's not enough leadership. There's too much leader slip. Because one of the methods that the enemy uses to get peace people to be disenchanted with the church is the sex trap of discrediting ministries. And I understand it, but I, I'm just, I want to give you a perspective. Before you throw the stone, um, would this stone be thrown at you if your behind the scenes went public? All right, I feel like I lost my whole A-man corner. Yeah, yeah, what? Maybe it's just theirs went public, but yours didn't. Here's something that you probably won't hear somebody say in church. Is there anybody thankful? I know that you could give God praise, and I know some of us, you tripping over the people who talked. But is there anybody who can give God praise for the mouths that he kept closed? I, is there anybody who can give God praise that Jesus dealt with your Jacob at night and not at noon? Is there anybody watching this that is thankful that Jesus allowed you to be in a season where you were in a dressing room and he allowed you to take off some stuff and he didn't take all your dirty garments and hang them up in the shade room and hang them up on CNN and hang them up on BET, but he allowed you to take some stuff off that don't nobody know about and now you're representing the kingdom, but you have some clothes that were in that dressing room that don't nobody know about but you and Jesus. <laughs> All I'm saying is don't throw a stone. That will be thrown at you if you're behind the scenes. Everybody knew. Am, am, am I dismissing it? Absolutely not. Am I making an excuse for it? Absolutely not. I do believe there should be more integrity and faithfulness restored and redeemed to our pulpits. And I believe we should model it. I do. But I'm just attempting to articulate to you something that my mother shared with me. She said, Jerry, there is a fall in all of us. There is a fall on the inside of everybody. As saved as you are, ma'am, watching this message, there's a fall that lives on the inside of you. And as saved as you are, sir, there's a fall that lives on the inside of you. And maybe the reason you could throw your stone with so much ease is because your weakness has yet to meet its opportunity. <laughs> the enemy will always make sure 
that there's a time in your life where your secret, imaginative desires will have the opportunity to become physical realities. It is the trap that hell uses on the world changer, the sex trap. The, the second type of sex trap is a sex trap that I believe hell uses in the form of the spirit of perversion. And it comes out many times as molestation in childhood because hell knows your first teacher matters. He knows your first teacher matters. So if I could introduce sex to you at a young age, I know your first teacher matters. I would like to ascribe to you that peradventure there's somebody watching this message. The reason that you're struggling so hard in your flesh is due to you costly trying to unlearn the lessons that have been taught to you by your first teacher. This is why the word of God has so much to say about training up our children because the Bible knows and you know it is easier to train a child than it is to unlearn as an adult. So the word of God tells us, I'm going to give you several scriptures. Proverbs chapter 22, um, verse, verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, I read this a few weeks ago. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. It says, and these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. God is saying, train up your child because your first teacher matters. And if we can get to them first, if we can teach them the kingdom agenda first, discipleship is supposed to first happen in the home. I know it's not normal. I know it's not the average household, but it is the original kingdom agenda. And just because people aren't doing it does not mean God has changed the original kingdom agenda. We're supposed to train them at home because the first teacher matters. Our first teacher matters. We cannot keep sending our children to Hollywood and then become confused when they come back as actors. We have to deal with them at home. We have to be able to teach our girls, listen, when you have butterflies in your stomach, I got to get to you first. I, I got to teach you first. When you have butterflies in your stomach and you're nervous around him, that doesn't mean what your classmate told you, kiss him, and this means he likes you. That's not what that means. This, could, this could just be your friend. That's all. Somebody's watching this message. You know I'm telling the truth because you have literally ruined friendships by trying to add romance. Because, because great companionship does not always mean chemistry towards marriage. It doesn't. And since we have not had teaching like this, we think that every person that we encounter of the opposite sex that we're cool with, we confuse an assignment as an alignment. And I, I, I have to get to you first. I have to teach you first because if I don't, culture will tell you when you feel like this, girl, take him under the stairwell. It, when, 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 when he starts talking to you like this, y'all just meet in the locker room. Just, just skip class. Just, just don't go to class today. Stay in the dorm room. Don't do this today. We need more godly fathers, grandfathers, uncles, brothers that will teach our sons what does it mean when you have an erection? 
That does not mean it's time to masturbate. That does not mean go sow your royal oats. We need other men who are able to say, listen, you have to learn self-mastery over that. Kingdom men think with this head. We think with this head. We don't have to follow our flesh. We have to normalize that. I'm talking about this in church, y'all. It's real. I'm talking about this real content because enough of these sugar-coated messages. I wonder how millennials would be if we actually had messages that broke stuff down like this. Instead of saying, don't do this and, and don't do that. And if you do that, you're going to burn. And I know you're not shacking. You're going to go to hell if you do that. How about explain to us? How do I deal with these feelings? How do I deal with these cravings? Well, sex is just for married people. Some married people don't even know how to have sex. <laughs> they don't. We need to be able to tell married people, hey, that there's some, there's some things that you have to detox from that you learned in Egypt that you can't take over into the covenant. Because married people are supposed to have the best, the best sex. Christian, godly people, covenant sex is supposed to be the best sex. It, it hits different. It is sex that glorifies God. You never had sex like that, huh? <laughs> sex that glorifies God. Sex that pleases God. Sex that God can bless. Sex where you can lay in the chest of your husband. Not your boyfriend, not your bae, but you can lay in the chest of your husband after guilt-free. Unless there is the residue of our first teachers there, it is guilt-free. You can hold your wife with no concerns about anything. Because kingdom, covenant, sex is better. See, you know why this is hitting so tough? Because we have constantly been preached on what not to do. But we haven't been taught on how to do. We haven't been taught the original kingdom agenda. And so a lot of times, those first teachers got to us first. Or what's worse, sometimes your first teacher was your parent. But it was in the form of a spirit of perversion. And so now you end up being promiscuous because of what your stepdaddy taught you down in the basement. Or you're disgusted with sex due to what your stepmother did to you or your stepfather did to you. So you're married and you don't even want your husband to touch you because you still feel dirty because of what happened 16 years ago. It's the spirit of perversion. It's a trap. The trap the enemy uses on world changers is the sex trap. He uses the sex trap to cloud judgment. Listen to me clearly. Please listen. Sex clouds judgment. Sex puts your mental state in a fog. Unless it's covenant kingdom sex, premarital sex clouds your judgment. There is a couple right now that does not even recognize that you and your bae have nothing in common if you were to take the sex away. I'm talking heavy, y'all, but I'm trying to help. <laughs> I'm trying to help. The only thing y'all have in common is the sex. Because sex clouds judgment. And you cannot see God's big red flags due to the fact that they give you big orgasms. We're talking about it. We're talking about it in church. You know why? Because I think we should be done with publicly saying amen, but privately saying, God help me, 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 God help me. Let's publicly deal with it in church. We're ignoring God's big red flags because of big orgasms. And listen, y'all, this might mess you up. I believe one of the tactics of hell is to make sure that he attaches pleasurable sensuality to counterfeits. It's so good because it's so lethal. 
is so good because it's so lethal. It's not an addiction. It's preparation. It's preparation. I'm going to make sure that they're not addressing what's going on in round one in their secret life because in round 10, I'm going to have a destructive hook come. It is just preparation. It's preparation. So they don't even recognize that I'm setting them up. I'm setting them up so that when they break up, then they'll end up questioning God. Then they'll start saying stuff like, man, what if I practice abstinence, get married, and the sex sucks? What if, what if marriage is not as good as how Johnny did it, how Billy did it, how Tyrone did it, how Stacy did it, how Ashley did it? What, what, what if, this is really what, we, what we're saying. Let me translate. What if God's way is not the best way? Hmm. What, what if... What if the creator of sex doesn't know how to give me somebody who can please me sexually? I know he made it, but I wonder, could the sex that he made in his establishment, in his boundaries, be just as good as the sex I had when I was in sin? (laughs) Sounds crazy, right? But that's what happens. That's what happens. The enemy is just... It is just preparation. When y'all break up, now you're going to start questioning God. You probably never heard it put, like, put it like this before, but, but this is one of the beauties of singleness. One of the beauties of singleness, if you desire marriage, if you don't, that's fine. There's no pressure. Marriage is not an upgrade. It's not. If you are single, it provides you, sp- it, it provides you space to unlearn the lessons of your first teacher. While you're so caught up saying, God win, God win, God win, God is providing you space. God, I hope you were hearing me. He's providing you space to detox and unlearn from all of the lessons that you received from your first teacher. A lot of marital problems are couples who are trying to unlearn in covenant. They're trying to unlearn in the covenant state. And now we keep clashing because I want my wife to be a porn star. And she doesn't want to be a porn star. I really can't compare a woman of God to what I had with the woman of the night. I really can't. And so now I need a season in my singleness where God can recalibrate the things I like. God can recalibrate the things I think about. Because if I don't, I'm going to end up getting in a marital state still infected with the sin of my single state. And now since I haven't addressed that in my single state, this is going to become a whole marital issue. This is how wives walk in on their husbands watching pornography. This is how wives still have vibrators. It's because I have not allowed that time in my life. I'm talking heavy on the night. I have not allowed that season in my life where God can deal with my first teacher. I wish I had teaching like this, y'all. I did. I wish I had messages like this when I was in high school, when I was in college. I wouldn't have raised my hand every time the preacher said at a youth institute or a youth conference, if you want to get saved, come down. I wouldn't have keep raising my hand because I'm like, okay, am I saved or am I not? Because I keep on desiring. I'm still watching porn. Am I saved or am I not? <laughs> I didn't know. And I would pray, God, take the desire away. Take away these sexual urges. Take, take it away, God. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Until I had the epiphany, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to need that desire one day. I'm going to need... <laughs> I'm going to need everything to function correctly one day. Maybe the prayer shouldn't be taken away, but God help me manage it. Because you gave me a sex drive, but the Holy Spirit is the brakes. You taught me. Listen, 
Listen, sexual desires came from God. I feel like that messed somebody all the way up. <laughs> sexual desires, God gave them to you. Sex in marriage is a gift from God. So you telling me it's sin to desire a gift? No. What it is is I don't really desire sex in marriage. I just want sex, period. <laughs> it's not about desire a covenant. I'm talking about me. If this is not you, then you cool. But me, it's not that I just wanted it in covenant due to my first porn teacher, due to my first girlfriend teacher, due to 90s R&B teacher, due to my hip-hop teacher, due to my friend's teacher, due to cultural teacher. I'm not trying to desire it the way that God wants me to desire it. I just want to have sex, period. And so conversations like this are needed because now I can understand in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says, flee. All you for lust. That's what Joseph did. Flee all you for lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Joseph didn't try to resist it. He ran. I wonder, could it be you keep on trying to resist it in the same house? Uh-oh. And so now you're wondering why I keep falling to it. And Joseph showed us, I'm running not just from the room, not just in the hallway. I'm running all the way out the house. I'm fleeing all of you for lust. But look, I'm not just running from. I'm running to. And a lot of us, were struggling because we're running from. But we're not running to righteousness. We're not running to faithfulness. We're not running to prayer. We're running from, but we're not running to. Second Timothy chapter 2 says, flee all you for lust, but pursue righteousness. This means run from that, but run to righteousness. Run to faith. Run to love. Because that means you want to have a pure heart. I don't just run from, I also run to. Okay, desire is just the hope of the fulfillment of. That's all the desire is. It's when I'm hoping that this will be fulfilled. That is a desire. Lust, however, is not when one is just thirsty, but when they're actually drinking from the cup. It's not the first stare. That, it's not the first glance that gets us in trouble. It's that second and third stare. That, that's, that's what gets us in trouble. She wasn't just glancing at Joseph. She was probably looking at him, seeing him mop. When he bent over to pick up something, she was probably looking. She was staring. <laughs> she was staring. And many times we don't realize when we keep staring at sexual images, when we keep staring at pornography, what it's doing is it's training our mind and our eyes to view things out of sensuality and not spirituality. So this, this, this kingdom agenda, I'm going to tell you how God originally designed it. I know it's not the norm. I know it's not the norm, but I'm not trying to be normal. God's original desire, the kingdom agenda, was for sex to always be a discovery, never for it to be an exhibit. This was the kingdom agenda. Can I get somebody put in the room kingdom agenda? It was the kingdom agenda for sex to always be a discovery, not an exhibit. It was his will for a version to meet with the virgin, both of us are ignorant. I know this is not common, y'all. Both of us are ignorant. She don't know what she's doing. He don't know what he's doing. And so as we come together, we learn 
together. And the beauty of the marriage state is as the years keep passing by, you are perfecting what you have learned that has pleases your wife. And you have perfected what you have learned that pleases your husband. Versus coming into the covenant, well, Johnny pleased me like this, and David pleased me like this, and Candace pleased me like this. So now I think that you're not a good lover because you don't sex me how I had the sex and sin. So now, this part, this is crazy, y'all. How in the world are you not married talking about you making love with them? Okay, so you're making love, but God is love, but God is not in that. What y'all making then? (laughs) What y'all making then? We making love, but y'all not married. Y'all not married. God is love, but he don't love what y'all doing right now. He not in it. So what y'all making? Strongholds? What y'all making? Soul infections? What y'all making? Mental bondage? Ooh, this is hitting (laughs) y'all. Yes, this is God's original intent. It's not normal, but it is the kingdom agenda. And the statement that I told you I wanted you to ask yourself a few weeks ago, when you make choices, we have to ask ourselves, is this choice getting me closer to the original kingdom agenda? Jerry has messed it up. You've messed it up. We all have fallen short. This is a no shade, no judgment zone. We have all fallen short. But each and every day, I am making choices that get me back in position to the original kingdom agenda. Purity is the resistance of defilement. Purity is the resistance of defilement. So I I want you guys to see this, okay? So I'm going to show you God's original intent. Okay, this is the original kingdom agenda. So we have a man and we have a woman. Okay, so now he says that the two shall become one flesh. Okay, so they're going to go ahead. They're going to get married. They're going to get intimate. So they come together. Now what what God has joined together, let no man separate. So now they've had sex. They're enjoying it, and they're married. This, this right here is how God originally wanted sex to be. This was his first time. This was her first time. So we good. We enjoying each other. We smiling afterwards. We have no guilt. Taking showers together afterwards. I mean, we just enjoying it. Everybody said this is God's original intent. This is God's original intent. What, what, what culture has done And what we have done to ourselves, because we didn't know, we didn't have sermons to break things down like this, is we don't wait until marriage. We just have some random guy we like. And so now I'm ending the relationship with him, and I'm I'm trying to sever the connection that I had with him. But a piece of me is kind of broken from that, and I still got like an attachment of what I've been through still attached to me, and I'm, I'm... I'm still kind of dealing with it, and I got wounds due to that. But God's original intent was for me to never be separated from that. And so what we do, instead of, instead of really addressing this, this wound and th- this part of myself that I still feel them, I still have memories about them, instead of us actually dealing with it, what we do is we meet somebody else. So when we meet somebody else, she cute, she looking good. Smelling good. Uh, we like the way they curves look. They looking good to us. And we already did it before. So what we do is we go ahead and 
we become one with them. Sex. So I haven't really addressed that. And look, the person I'm with is still getting a piece of me that's already kind of hurt. That's already kind of wounded. And since we haven't had teaching like this, and since we don't know that the enemy uses this trap, it's the sex trap. He uses it on world changers. That relationship didn't work either. And so now I got to end this with them. And I got to separate from them. A piece of them came on me too. And they moved on. And now I met somebody else because I'm hurting. And they paid me attention. And I just got a little too drunk that night. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the apartment. We're going to go back to the town home. And we're going to do the do. <laughs> just like Potiphar's wife. I'm just down to do the do. I don't see nothing wrong. I'm going to attach to them too. Are y'all seeing this? This is how a lot of us live life. But the original intent was I'm never separated from that one. So now I'm with somebody. I'm really trying to hold on to this one. You know why I'm really trying to hold on to this one? So I don't have to feel what I felt with the pink one, and I don't have to feel what I felt with the white one. I'm trying to really, really hold on to this one. I don't, I don't want nobody to talk about me. I learned from the pink one, I may not need to post this one. <laughs> because when I was posting this one, everybody said we're so cute together. But then when I found out something and that relationship ended, now I'm moving on to somebody else. This one right here, this is just a recovery relationship. And you know what? That doesn't work either. Because anytime you try to use people as a Band-Aid, all it's going to do is make the wound infected. Because now I got old blood trying to mix on somebody new. So you know what? That didn't work either. And I'm trying to, trying to get my life off from this particular individual. They hurt too. I have a piece of them on me. And so now, y'all, we, we, we're dealing with all of this, all of this right here. This is just what? The two, six, two pe three people I had sex with, I'm dealing with all that, and we never addressing this. All we're, all we're saying is, don't have sex. <laughs> all we're saying is, don't do that. But we're not showing you the reason God doesn't want you to do it. This is not a hell factor. We're not just, we're not just pushing the hell agenda. It's you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your representation of the kingdom. You're going to hurt others. And now you got to deal with this. But, but here's the good news, y'all. Here's the good news. You're not, just because you're like this doesn't mean you have to stay like this. A lot of us, this is how you view yourself in the mirror. Jesus says, no, I, I don't want you to try to change it. Because if, when you try to fix stuff on your own, you're trying to heal on your own. Look, I'm tearing up more. I'm doing more damage trying to heal stuff on my own, trying to take off a piece of my own. God says, you don't have to worry about that. I die for that. So what we're going to do is you're going to accept me as your Lord and Savior, and I'm going to hide you in me. Your life is going to be hid in me. So now when God sees you, all he sees is blood. You can't even see your screw-ups. You can't even see your flaws. You can't even see your shortcomings because your blood covered. Stop trying to fix it on your own because when you tried to fix it, you heard tearing. You heard ripping. God has said, no, your life is now hid in Christ, and you're not your own. You're hid in me. However, even though our life is hid in Christ, we still are affected by some of the things that we've gone through. So, so, so what, do, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? Number one, you have to understand the Bible tells us to give no foothold. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says give no foothold. So as you're healing and as you're unlearning, I can't give no foothold to the enemy. 
I can't give no foothold to anything that would take me back. So now I have to start viewing activities as ushers. So powerful. I have to view it as an usher. No, it's not a sin being over his house at one in the morning, kiki keying in his face. But is it an usher? Yes, it is. It's ushering in an atmosphere where sin could reign. And the Bible does say, flee the very appearance of evil. It just looks like y'all doing the do. Whoopity whoop. It just looks like y'all might be doing it. <laughs> so don't, don't do that. Don't do that. One brother made a comment, owning a condom is not a sin. You're right, my dude. But is it an usher, though? Am I right? What is it ushering you to do? You just bought the condom. He's like, man, Trojan, Trojan surely does make some nice condoms. This plastic sure is nice. What do you plan on doing with the condom? Is it an usher? Is it an usher? Masturbation is nearly always the result of lustful thoughts formed by what we did in Egypt. Okay? So, so let's break this down. When it comes to an usher, for those like, I don't see nothing wrong with masturbation. I mean, I want you to consider a few things. Was it formed in Egypt and does it give the enemy a foothold? Was this an activity that was discovered by your first teachers? Something you learned B.C., or is this something that you learned after Christ? B.C. is before Christ. Is this something you learned after Christ that you feel I have to do this to try to maintain myself from going back to what I did in Egypt? Is it, is it something that opens a door? Is it a foothold? Number two, is it an usher? What does it lead to? <laughs> What, do you, what does it lead to? Because like I told you, the enemy is always going to make sure that your secret imaginative desires will always have a chance to become physical realities. What does it lead to? And if none of those convince you, last, last one, number three, does it give God glory? When you are masturbating, are you thinking about giving God glory? have to make it as real as I can get because it's always something, well, I don't know, I don't know. Does it give God glory? Is God pleased with this? Does it make him look good? Okay. Give you Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Therefore, whatever, whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So me practicing purity is not because I'm scared of catching an STD. Me practicing purity is not just not having sex. It is the resistance of being defiled by the culture. It is the resistance of being defiled by what is normal in the world. I'm striving to give God Glory. Striving to give God glory. Number four, what do we have to do so I can make sure I'm free from this and unlearn the lessons from my first teacher? Number four, you got to run. <laughs> That's what Joseph did. He ran. He ran. Coach would have called him a punk. Kingdom calls him a king. <laughs> Coach would have said, you weak. Kingdom calls that strong. We don't know, we don't know at all if Joseph was struggling with her. We don't, the Bible don't record any of that. It just, Joseph was like, listen, um, I'm not doing this wicked thing against God. I'm not doing this against God. I'm running not because I can't handle you. I'm running because I don't want to sin against God. One practical warfare tactic you could have against sexual immorality is run. Run. This can be twofold. Not just run from environments, but physically run some miles. <laughs> Exhaust your body. Exhaust your body. Miles aren't good enough for you. Run and then punch the heavy bag. Exhaust your flesh. Buffet your body. I have to master this. You put the confession in the room. I must deny my flesh. I will master it 
it will not master me. You would be surprised how much self-control and self-government you would have if you learn how to buffet your body. Buffet your body. Buffet your body. Train. Work. Their environments that aren't conducive for me, so I run from them. And then the practical side of it, maybe I need to actually get a workout regimen. So I'm not just sitting here by myself, horny with all of these feelings that I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with. Exhaust your flesh. Number five, what we're doing right here, fasting. Fasting is starving the flesh. Starving it. Now look, you, you, you might not even recognize I have to fast from social media. A lot of us, your, your sexual desires keep on responding and keep becoming impulsive because you keep on seeing that share your memories on Facebook and you keep reflecting on what you had with him. Or, bro, look who you follow on IG. And every time you scroll, you keep on seeing them pictures. Those are meals for your lust. I have to starve it. The flesh is a beast. And you're going to have to starve it. If you don't learn how to starve your flesh, your flesh will embarrass you. It'll embarrass you. So we fast to turn down the volume of our flesh. We fast so that that beast won't overpower us. But we have learned how to master it. Last one, number six, trigger awareness. What, what, what causes for you to go back? What causes for you to reflect? Music, social media, friends. Sometimes it's your family, pictures. I'm going to have to make sure that I'm doing what I can so that I can unlearn, so that I can be purified. Because what the enemy wants to do is he uses this weapon, and it's the trap of sexual immorality. Because if I can get you to not to be able to control your taste buds or your flesh, then I can control your life. Trying to help us on the night, y'all. It's the tactic of the enemy. It's the trap, the sex trap, because you are a world changer. You're going to change the world. But if I can get you to not have self-control, I can get you to see life through sensuality and not spirituality. So, God, we pray right now in this very moment. There was some, some tough parts for us to swallow, God. But we pray, give us a mind that wants to get closer and closer to living lives where we are getting closer and in sync with your original kingdom agenda. You have a preferred route for our lives. We all messed up, God. We all did. That's why you died on the cross. No one's perfect. No one's righteous. No, not one. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag. We're not up here trying to be perfect, God. We're saying, would, would you give us your perfect peace? Would you give us strength to recognize that this is not the behavior of a son of God. This is not the behavior of a daughter of God. So God, would you detox me? Would you help me unlearn so that I can live life that's getting closer and getting more in sync with the kingdom agenda? Because I will not allow, I will not allow the enemy to use the trap of sexual immorality to affect my world-changing assignment. We ask that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen.